Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show where we're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing. Of course, we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And of course, that technology we look at is Bitcoin and the decentralized revolution that that is bringing us. And speaking of Bitcoin, it has been somewhat of a wild ride. And then it's been kind of boring <laughs> at the same time. Now, I often say that uh, looking at the price is boring. Right? There's so much going on with this brand new revolutionary technology. And if all you're doing is focus on the, on the price of it, you're missing everything that's going on. And of course, with brand new technologies, we don't want to look at the price. The price is a distraction. We're looking at the growth of the network, the development on the network. But um, I like to say uh, that it's sort of like this bait and switch where people come in for the money, for the price of it, and then they stay uh, for the freedom aspect of it. Um, and so when we're looking at the price of it, we can see that um, the price, like I said, has been wild and then it's been boring and then it's been wild and it's been boring. And what I mean by that is that we saw Bitcoin, if, if it depends on what time frame you're looking at, but we can see Bitcoin has is down about right now today, uh, about 74% from its previous all-time high set back in November of last year, over a year ago. Man, it's been that long already. It's crazy. Um, so we can see it's been down. It's about 74% this year. Um, and for many times throughout that decline, it's like stuck and hold in a certain range. So, uh, for example, there was about, uh, you know, several months where it kind of sat in this like $40,000 range. And then there was like a few months where it sat in this like $30,000 range, um, a $20,000 range. We started to joke about it like, well, Bitcoin's kind of like the stable coin. Um, and now Bitcoin is kind of sitting here in this next range, um, sort of in this, you know, sixteen dollars to $20,000 range where it's at. And the reason why I say that is because we've seen this year bad, bad news happening throughout the cryptocurrency market, really. And it started back, I mean, obviously the sell-off started in November of 21 when the Fed announced they would start raising rates, which ended the uh, kind of run for risk on assets. So not just Bitcoin, uh, but Facebook and Tesla and <laughs> Netflix and, you know, Shopify and PayPal and, you know, all of those. And so 
all the risk on assets started selling off, but then it triggered off a, 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 a gigantic domino effect inside the cryptocurrency space of blowups. And we're talking about Terra Luna, which then led to Celsius and Theros Capital and then the Bitcoin miners. And it's been one after and after after another. And as each of these big first Terra Luna, $60 billion, I mean, boom, gone, right? 60 billion gone. Then we saw three euros capital and Celsius gone. Another, I think it was another 30, uh, 30 billion gone. And now, you know, FTX blew up another 10 billion gone. And each one of these has caused more collapses. And we saw the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency price just continue to drop and drop and drop and drop and drop. Now, the reason why I kind of walk you through that again for a second is because economics, you know, markets isn't as difficult as me people make it seem to be. Uh, really, it's supply and demand. If you have more demand than you have supply, then prices go up. If you have less demand than supply, prices go down. Pretty simple. Um, and really, when do prices stop going down? People want to find out when is the bottom or when's the top. Well, the bottom, prices stop going down when there's no more sellers left. Just like prices stop going up when there's no more buyers left. And so Bitcoin seems to have found that level of no more sellers left, and it's been sitting there. And that's why it seems to be kind of sitting at this level. We can see here, though, that um, the, the largest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, who basically got into this war with FTX and FTX lost, Binance CEO says that deposits are starting to come back in. But he sees a bumpy road ahead for the crypto firm. And so what we can see is that everybody is now shell-shocked. Everybody's now waiting for the next exchange to blow up. What's going to be the next big blow up? Is there going to be another big drop coming? And so everybody's looking for that. And so everyone thinks maybe Binance is the next one. And Binance says that uh, last week the company issued a proof of reserves in which it claims to have a reserved ratio of 101% which means it has enough assets to cover customer deposits. And they, they, they released their Bitcoin custody reserves, um, which showed that they have all the Bitcoin on their books. So when FTX blew up, they had, uh, I believe it was $1.4 billion worth of Bitcoin on their books, or I should say otherwise, customers thought they owned $1.4 billion worth of Bitcoin at FTX, and FTX had 20000 dollars of Bitcoin to cover the 1.4 billion that it owed. But it looks here that um, Binance has proven that they do have the custody of those assets to fulfill that. And so it's starting to bring a little bit of a um, little bit of stability back to the back to the ecosystem. Now we can see that um, there were some really big withdrawals happening. As a matter of fact, uh, Dylan LeClaire, who's somebody I've had on the show before, um, he posted that we saw on December 13th the largest 24-hour flow of stablecoins out of Binance. So outflowing out of Binance, we saw $2.15 billion worth of stablecoins pulled out. And we saw the largest amount of Bitcoin pulled out of Binance ever. Almost 40,000 Bitcoin were pulled from Binance at the exact same time on December 13th. And they were able to handle that. And that was good. CZ, uh, the, the CEO of Binance, put out a tweet. He said that we have, we've seen some of the withdrawals today, over a billion dollars. We've seen this before. Um, some days we have net withdrawals. Some days we have net, net deposits. It's business as usual for us. 
He said that, uh, he said that, however, this wasn't the biggest. We've had much bigger than this before. This was just a stress test and it worked out for us. So it's kind of calming the markets. And of course, we didn't see the price of Bitcoin drop. Um, CryptoQuant says that the on-chain data, when we look at the flows of, of, of the coins going in and out of Binance, it doesn't show any weird behavior like FTX. It says that uh, Binance differs from the FTX Alameda in how clean the reserves are, or to put another way, how they're not reliant on the exchange's proprietary token, BNB. So BNB token is sort of like FTX had their own FTT token, but FTT uh, backed everything was created all the liquidity for everything they had, whereas what they're saying, CryptoQuant says that BNB token is not. For Binance, CryptoQuant says that 88 or 89% of its reserves are clean. 89% of its reserves are clean compared to 56% for Huobi, 66% for uh, Bitfinex, 81% for KuCoin, 97% for Crypto.com, and 100% for OKX. So um, it's looking clean. It's starting to calm down the market. And we can see that Bitcoin's implied volatility for the, the amount that it goes up and down is its lowest level since October of 2020, when it was just coming back from that horrible June of 2020 crash. And so even though there's still fears of more contagion happening, like I said, and the macroeconomic picture is the market going to crash, we can see that Bitcoin's annualized seven-day implied volatility, when we look at the options market, we can see it's the lowest level it's been in two years down to 38.2%. Volatility expectations will continue to drop. Uh, lower volatility is one of my favorite trades for 2023, um, says this reporter Thielen for Coindesk. And so although all of this is bad, it looks like the market has stopped, or I should say ran out of sellers. And no matter how much more bad news, well, I shouldn't say no matter how much, we could still see more. But so far, it looks like the market has absorbed this bad news. We're out of the sellers. And things, the volatility is at a two-year low. Maybe it's time to start building back up. Maybe not. Time will tell. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, breaking down some of the, the, the latest breaking news, some of the biggest news headlines happening throughout the space to show you how this world is changing and, more importantly, how you should be navigating this as we look at through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. 
And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing as we go from a unipolar world to a multipolar world. Of course, that's being led through Bitcoin, the decentralized technology but it's changing the way that politics, finance, and technology works. It's changing the way that we organize ourselves. We talked about uh, the Bitcoin, what's happening with Bitcoin right before the break. And now, talk about maybe the biggest news that's going on that you might not have heard about. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about uh, what's kind of being called right now as the Twitter files. Now, the Twitter files could be some of the biggest news that could literally reshape the face of the world, not just the United States, but the world, and that nobody's talking about. It's interesting. Now, um, if you're listening to this show, then I know you're a free thinker, so you've probably seen it. I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but you know there was those memes after the Ukraine war that was like, uh, I just think only the current thing. And that's true. You think that your thoughts are your own, but they're not. Right, time and time and again, uh, we found that to be true. And so, whatever you see on social media, on mainstream media, whatever gets you going, becomes the current thing. And that current thing that you're being shown is typically manufactured to get you to elicit a certain set of feelings and actions. And so, I mean, it's, it's never more apparent than right here in the Twitter files. One, the Twitter files shows us exactly how they use social media and mainstream media to condition you for the current thing. Um, and it shows you at the same time how the current thing is being used so you don't see how the Twitter files are being used that way. <laughs> so the Twitter files exposes how it was being used that way. And we can also see in real time how no one's talking about the Twitter files because <laughs> they don't want you to know about the Twitter files anyway. So we can see here Twitter files, of course, Fox News has been talking about it. It's been all over Twitter. Now, just a quick story about myself and Twitter. I didn't use Twitter forever. Um, January of 2018, I was on Oahu. I think I've told this story before. I was on Oahu, and I wake up 7 in the morning. I get alert on my phone, and it says, inbound missile alert, uh, extreme danger. This is not a test. 
Um, and that was a time when we were in this little war with North Korea and North Korea was like testing, uh, missiles over there. And it was like, Hey, there's an inbound missile alert. You're going to die basically. And it was like, it's not, it's not a test. This is like imminent danger. It said, and, uh, I went online, I turned on the TVs. There was no news anywhere. And like, I'm, I'm going to die. There's like a missile coming. Like what's going on? And there was nothing just like, I couldn't find anything about it. And my business partner at the time, he was on Twitter. He's like, well, let me see what I can find on Twitter. And he found all his information. And so. Anyway, I've been on Twitter ever since. And uh, it's, it's, it's just the best way to get information. You know, uh, mainstream media, whatever you want to call that today, um, can tell you, they can gaslight you, which they do all the time, which I'm going to talk about. They'll lie to you. And they'll say, hey, you know, uh, this, this, this protest is happening it's over here in this country. Um, and someone from that country would just tweet and say, well, I'm here right now in the square and there's no protest here or vice versa, right? I mean, Whatever they want to tell you is happening can instantly be proven or disproven instantly. Grounds are boots on the ground journalism. And uh, now you do have to be careful uh, because, you know, you could be watching fake information. So, again, you have to practice critical thinking. Uh, but um, on Twitter, where really this journalism is happening these days, you can see the Twitter files all over the place. Fox News talked about it. But CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, blackout. As a matter of fact, CBS News, ABC News, NBC News did not cover the story at all, and CNN only mentioned it one time. So since last Friday, networks have only discussed the Twitter files for a combined total of 14 minutes. The term Twitter files has only been used six times on air over the same span of time. Now, this, I'm not going to say it's the biggest story right now or of the year, but it's certainly in the running. It's certainly in the running. It's certainly one that most people should know about, and yet they don't even bring it to you. CNN covered the story for three minutes, only on December 9th. Um, MSNBC, MSNBC spent two minutes on the story the same day, as well as, fi as well as five minutes on December 11th and four minutes on December 12th. The Monday evening newcasts were filled with discussions about Twitter, including criticisms of Musk and the re-release of Twitter Blue. However, the Twitter files never came up on the networks. So <laughs> there's no shortage of talking about Twitter, uh, no shortage of criticizing Musk about how, how, how dangerous he is and how bad he is for firing workers, how dare he fire workers, and you know how he messed things up with Twitter Blue and this whole verification fiasco and what a, what a, what a disaster all that is. And there's no shortage of that content, but never one time talking about the Twitter files. Um, left, left wing MSNBC host Mehdi Hazan was the one pundit who offered a full on air block to the story Sunday in which he argued that the Twitter files showed no evidence of a company bias against conservatives, no evidence of a company bias against conservatives. Okay. So the good thing is, is that they released it all for you to go read. See, you're an adult, most likely. I'm guessing you're an adult listening to this. <laughs> you're an adult. You are smart. You're smarter than they want you to be. You're smarter than they tell you are. You can actually read information and judge for yourself. So when you can read this person, this name, this government employee told this person at Twitter to censor this person, this Twitter account, because of this reason, for no cause, you can determine you for yourself, if that had any company bias, you can determine that the information is out. See, that's how 
that's how it's supposed to be done, through open, through transparency. And that's what Elon Musk has done, which is why they hate him so much. You can go read this, which I've gone and read a whole bunch of it. But of course, they don't want you to read that. They'd rather just censor it. Now, what happens through censorship is then speculation happens. You see? Speculation happens. So they're going to say, oh, no, there's nothing to see here. Uh, there's no bias at all. And then you're going to start to wonder about it. But you solve that through transparency, which is, of course, what Elon Musk has done by putting it up there. Now, we can see that uh, it's kicked up in a can of worms for people paying attention and some people who care, like ex-Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. He insists that there was no ill intent or hidden agendas amid the fallout from Twitter. So we can see that Jack Dorsey, he went and testified to Congress in 2018, claiming that Twitter did not shadow ban conservatives. He said they didn't. And guess what? He was telling the truth. They didn't shadow ban. <laughs> but that's because they played a game of semantics. They didn't call it shadow banning. No, instead they just called it something different. So he said, no, we didn't, we didn't shadow ban. What we did, though, was you know, virtual hiding. That's what we did. Or whatever they called it, I forget now off the top of my head. Um, so now he's saying, but now the evidence is out. Now we can see Jack Dorsey had the information. Now we can see exactly who the people that were there, what they were doing, how they were rating these accounts, and who they were doing it to. So I want to cover some of that more, but then I want to talk about how this is an even bigger story because now, while we don't want to talk about what's happening with the Twitter files, we do want to talk about maybe we should shut down Twitter. That's what the FTC wants. We'll be back with that in more in a minute. You'll listen to the Mark Moss Show. I'm talking about the decentralized revolution. We'll be back with that in more in a minute. Don't go away. Be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. 
Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. And we're talking about, as we always talk about, the way the world is changing. And I think this is one of the biggest stories. We're talking about what's happening with Twitter. Um, yeah, just with Twitter, period. Um, but specifically, we're talking about the Twitter files. And Elon Musk, if you don't know, because it's been a complete blackout, um, every mainstream media outlet has been silent on this. CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, all blacked out. Fox News covered a little bit. Uh, but basically, Elon Musk went back and pulled out all the data files that Twitter had that showed who at what government agency was telling who at Twitter to censor who. Got it all. And then just released it all. Hey, look, here's all the communication from the government telling Twitter, a private company, uh, to censor who private citizens. Yeah, it's illegal. Shouldn't be done. Uh, and we're just going to release all the documentation. Every email, every note, you can read every single word. Full transparency, he said. He said, there's no way for us to heal and move forward unless we do this. And so he did. It's pretty amazing. Now, of course, uh, the government doesn't like this at all. And so it's bad news for, 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 for Musk. It's bad news for, uh, well, it's even more bad news because he was the richest man in the world and he's not anymore. Now he's, now he's not the richest man in the world. But it's even bigger than that because now they want to come after him. Now regulators fire warning shots at Musk's Twitter and tech companies. Samuel Levine director of the Consumer Protection Bureau at the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, warned companies such as Twitter that the government would not hesitate to go to court over violations of agreements with the FTC. Ooh. So let's see here. So when Trump was saying that, um, you know, uh, people were getting, uh, if you remember, um, Trump kind of went to war against social media platforms. If you remember the time he was threatening to take away um their section 230. So let me give you a little quick history lesson here. So in the early days of the internet and the interwebs in the 90s, um, we started getting these things called websites. And these websites would then start getting people to post articles on them. You might remember those early days, those infancy days. And um, what was happening is there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of figuring out to do, we'll call it, over IP, intellectual property. And so if you remember at the time, uh, movie companies and uh, music companies and um, everyone was suing everybody. Wait, that's my content. You can't use that there. You can't use that. You didn't get permission, blah, blah, blah. All these lawsuits happening. And so all these, this, this fledgling new industry that was just barely getting up and going, this internet thing. So someone would build a little website, people would post stuff on the website, and then they'd get sued. And of course, you know, this little guy with this little website couldn't stand up against this, you know, movie company or music company, whatever. And so the government did something, which is pretty rare uh, today. 
Uh, back then, they actually wanted the little guy to succeed. They actually wanted new technology to have a chance to grow and flourish. And so they passed a rule called Section 230. And they said that if this, um, if this uh, website was a platform, all right, and that meaning that was all it was was a place for people to go post content, then they couldn't be held liable for what was on that platform. So meaning that if somebody posted something on that platform, like a like a video with a song in it, and that song had um, you know some IP around it, they couldn't get sued for that. And if if it wasn't for that act of the of, of uh, Congress in passing that law, the internet may have never grown to where it is today. All right. But that's what Section 230 is. Now, what happens is that's only if they're neutral, if they don't control it. Once they start to curate it, once they start to create the content and manage the content, now they're not exempt under that anymore. Now they have to be responsible for it. And so what Trump kept warning over and over is like, hey, we're going to repeal that. We're going to repeal that, which would then mean Twitter and uh, Instagram and Facebook and, and YouTube, et cetera, would then be liable for everything. Okay. Um. But again, that's only if they allow it to happen. But what we've seen now through the, through the Twitter files is that that's not the case at all. They're 100%, 100% monitoring it. I mean, not just monitoring it, but, but manipulating it, managing it, et cetera, which means that it does go against Section 230. Now, I'm not an attorney. That's just the way I interpret it. But here we have um, now, because Musk has taken over Twitter, and uh, wants to allow transparency to rebuild trust, which is the only way you get trust is having transparency. Um, they don't like that. And now the regulators are firing warning shots at them. And the, the Samuel Levine of the FTC says that now if they don't comply, um, then they're going to shut them down. Now, what are these violations of agreements with the FTC? What are those? Twitter's privacy policies must comply with a 2010 consent decree issued by the FTC, mandating that users be made aware of all the ways in which their data is used by the company, according to Axios. So now this is now they're getting into some privacy policies. And uh, Elon Musk says that, uh, hey, the company, the company should collaborate with advertisers because they want to have the best user experience that you can have. This is, you know, these are these are these are um, very messy situations where it's like, look, I personally would maybe rather pay a monthly fee to be on Twitter um, than have to look at ads. You might rather look at a couple ads on your feed and not have to pay at all. Um, a lot of times, I might rather just look at ads, right? But I would rather look at ads that were kind of curated for me versus ads that were curated for my 78 year old grandmother, for example. Right. And as an advertiser, I would also rather have my ads show up for my demographic. And so of course there's going to be some targeting there. Now, um, that seems to be a problem. Now Levine is trying to pick a piece of the FTC is trying to pick a piece that they know that probably Twitter is going to have a hard time winning with or, or, or complying with. You see how they do this? And it's not just them. This goes even deeper. We can see it actually goes into not just the FTC. Where is this other article here? Well, I'll come back to that in a minute. But think about this for a minute. 
I came across this article this week called The United States of Fascist America. You remember they were calling uh, Donald Trump a fascist. But what is a fascist? Is a fascist far right? What is far right? I mean, these labels, uh, labels to me are ridiculous. All right. What is fascist? Well, fascist, according to the fascist Mussolini from Italy, um, or per Wikipedia, let's start there. Per Wikipedia, fascism is a far-right, authoritarian, ultra-nationalist political ideology and movement characterized by a dictatorial leader, a central autocracy, militarism, forcible suppression of opposition, belief in national social hierarchy, uh, for the perceived good of the nation and race. Okay. It says, uh, the definition is mostly correct, except for the first words, claiming fascism, fascism is far right. Hitler was considered a fascist, but his party, contrary to the political science experts disguised as journalists, were far left. The Nazi party is the national nationalist socialist Germans Workers Party. So socialist, which is supposed to be left. You see how stupid this is? So what, what, what really is the difference? They're both authoritarians. Now, the most famous fascist, Benito Mussolini, he clarified, quote, fascism should be rightly be called corporatism, as it's the merger of corporate and government power, end quote. That's per Mussolini. So fascism should be corporatism or the merger of corporate and government power, sort of like when these government powers teamed up with Twitter staff to push their ideology and their policies. Sort of like that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about what's happening with Twitter and how it's changing the world as we know it. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution, of course, talking about the way the world is changing, and it is changing fast. One of the things that's happening that's really changing it fast is, uh, of course, the way we communicate. And so we're talking about um, maybe the biggest communication platform, Twitter. And it's been a nonstop uh, piece of conversation because, of course, uh, you know, crazy eccentric richest man in the world elon musk wanted to buy it and uh, set it free he said right we wanted to allow free speech to happen and uh, that's created some quite of a some some quite of controversy here never would have imagined that so many people would be mad about people having free speech it's very weird i still don't get it but you know back to kind of uh, what's going on here we were talking about the biggest story i don't know I don't know if it's the biggest story of the year uh, or the decade. It's it's a big story. Maybe it's not that big because most of us already kind of knew it was happening. uh, But now we have the smoking gun. And that smoking gun is the Twitter files where basically Elon Musk has basically gone back in and pulled all the files, like the email correspondence and all these types of things, and released them. Said, hey, everyone, look at it. Gave them to a couple couple, uh, reporters, Matt Taibbi and uh, a couple others, and said, hey, here, uh, you go through them first. Um, and now they're all published for everyone to go read, and you can go read all these files for yourself. Um, you know, it helps to have the reporters go through it first and kind of filter some of the more important stuff out for you. They got weeks and weeks to spend on this. You and I mostly don't. However, um, what has come out has been nothing short of shocking because even myself kind of working in this space and kind of knowing about how bad this was, it's even worse. <laughs> it's even worse than we thought it was going to be. And um, like I was kind of hinting to this this article that I read, talking about the United States of fascist America, and um, the the most fascist leader Benito Mussolini, he said that fascism should rightly be called corporatism. That's a merger between corporate and government power. Now, I recently wrote a book, a bestseller book, by the way. If you don't have it, I recommend you go get it. It's called The Uncommunist Manifesto. Of course, it's a play on the original Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. It's on Amazon. We hit a bestseller, uh, but man, we could sure use some more sales. I'd love to get that back that that book out to you. We've you know priced it very cheap. We're just trying to get the information out there. Check it out on Amazon. But in that book, we uh, basically broke down all the different uh, what we call phantom versions of capitalism. Um, in the original Communist Manifesto book, Karl Marx wrote all the different versions of communism. So we wrote all the different versions of what we call capitalism, um, which are not capitalism at all, but they're confused with capitalism, one of which we broke down as being corporatism. And basically, it's a merger of corporate and government power, or what uh, good old Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum calls public-private partnership, <laughs> in my best German accent. It's not very good. Uh, but uh, you know, he talks about this public-private partnership, and that's exactly what this is. Public being the government, private being the, 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 the corporations coming together and, and working together. And that's exactly what we've seen here. That's where America is. We have uh, corporate and government power merging into a totalitarian behemoth, crushing any and all dissent. Worse than just crushing dissent, 
they never even allow it to grow, which of course is their, their whole plan in the first place, right? If they can train you what to think from the time you're a kid, using AI, they can manipulate your social media feed, which Facebook has admitted to doing since 2016, by the way. If they can manipulate your social media feed, they can induce you know feelings of anger and peacefulness and, and, and scare you, things like that. They can start to change the way you think. Um, they can show you enough of one ideology to scare you and then sh- and show you why it's bad and show you another ideology of why it's good. They can start to change the way you think. This is why I said earlier, um, you think that you're free to think, but you're not. Most of the thoughts that you have are not yours. Um, there's this test that was done. I don't have like, all the exact details. I'm kind of spitting off the cuff here. Uh, but it was, uh, they did these tests where they went up to people and they'd say, here, hold on. Will you hold this cup for me and then answer a couple questions? And they'd, they'd give someone a hot cup of like tea or a coffee. And um, then they'd ask them, they'd read a, they'd read a, a little bit of a, of a story. And they'd say, this, this person that you've read here, uh, the, the main character in this uh, story, would you consider them to be a warm character or a cold character? And the people holding the warm cup of coffee would say that they were a warm character. And then they would do the exact, same exact thing, but they'd give them a cold cup to hold. And they'd ask them the same exact question they'd say, and the response would say they were a cold person. And so you can see how even your own thoughts can be manipulated by other sub, subject matter that might be around you at that time. And so by, by manipulating your feeds, what you can see, what you can't see, the context and what you see it in, they can start to change this. And so it's not just about, crushing any and all dissent. It's about preventing dissent from ever happening in the first place. It's powerful. And then if they can prevent it from ever stopping in the, in the first, or happening in the first place, and then if it does start to break out wherever, they can isolate it, and then they could crush it. Imagine how powerful that would be. Now take, for example, the recent Twitter file revelations we're talking about here. The federal government took control of the big tech and social media giants to control free speech and dissent. And it wasn't just about, you know, the Biden campaign pressuring Twitter. The FBI, as we know now, Mark Zuckerberg went on Joe Rogan and said this, the FBI had weekly meetings with social media corporations to warn them of things like Russian interference, you know, hack and leak operations and all these different things, which we know now were never true. So then on top of it, not only has the federal government been actively influencing social media um, platforms to show us, but they've been doing it based off of lies, off of false information. The result? Well, the result is we get social media suppression. Now we get suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story, which a year ago I would have gotten kicked off the internet for even saying that to you, which is insane. Now we know that it would have likely altered the presidential election outcome Specifically, polls that were done said 16% of voters would have voted differently if the story would not have been suppressed by big tech. Now, if people had known it had known about the story and known it had been suppressed by big tech, then it probably would have been even a bigger swing in voters. And we're talking about an election that had about a 50,000 person vote swing. You think that uh, had anything to do with the outcome and interference with an election? Now, teams of Twitter employees were building blacklists that we, we, we now know through these, these files that have come out. They were building blacklists that prevent disfavored tweets from trending, actively limiting the visibility of entire accounts and even trending topics. So like 
Charlie Kirk, for example, on uh, on Twitter. He's a Christian, um, you know, podcast host that talks about political issues, and his account was. <laughs> It was not shadow banned. It was whatever they called it. It was something else. But it was actively put on blacklist. It was actively put on list to not allow it to trend, not allow it to be found in searches. It just wasn't called shadow banned. Visibility, visibility filtering, that's what they called it. VF. <laughs> I mean, the fact that these people can go in front of a, of a, of a congressional uh, committee under oath and be asked a direct question, are you doing shadow banning? And they say no, and that's not a lie because they're not doing shadow banning, they're actually doing visibility filtering. Isn't it the same thing? Oh, man. That's the world that we're in. We can see that Elon Musk now shows that U.S. political candidates were blacklisted while running for office. Literally, while they're running for office, they were, they were blacklisted. And the other political parties, was the other political party then? Not per the, not per the Twitter files. So look, this is the this is a this is a big deal because what happens when we take the largest communication platform and we open it back up? What happens? Um, does it start to reshape the world because we have open and transparent communication? I think it does, and that's why I think this is one of the biggest things happening right now in the world in the decentralized revolution. Because when we break truth open. The world's going to change. You've been listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, looking at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Thanks for listening. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.